Hi there, it's Bean. Welcome to an all-new Great Moments in Weed History. I hope you're all feeling high and happy after the recent holiday. Did you remember to listen to Alice's Restaurant? I've had the pleasure of sharing that classic anti-war, anti-colonialist, hippie-fueled Thanksgiving song with my niece and nephew over the last few years, and now it's an annual sing-along tradition for a whole new generation. This weed on the podcast, we'll be digging into another touchstone of hippie music weed culture, Wooks. Named for the Wookiees in the Star Wars universe, Chewbacca being the most well-known example, due to their often unkempt and hirsute appearance, Wook has traditionally been used as a derisive term. Here's the Urban Dictionary definition. One who travels from show to show with no money. Wooks steal food, beer, whiskey, drugs, or anything they can trade for them. The Wookiee usually stinks like 10-year-old funk and often has the same dirty clothes on since the last time you saw them. Evil Wookiees sell fake drugs to support the free-spirited lifestyle they live. Well... That's pretty much every old, tired stereotype about weed smokers turned up to 11. But as you might imagine, the reality is much, much different. In my experience, most Wooks are noble, gentle, honest creatures dedicated to living in the moment, getting lit, and following their bliss. The Wooks that I met out on the Grateful Dead parking lot scene in my formative years actually helped guide me into the world of weed with some hard-won wisdom that I've never forgotten. So I was truly overjoyed when I stumbled upon a film called Wooks on YouTube from the brilliant filmmakers at Very Ape Productions. Helmed by real-life cannabis couple Cass Greener and Sean Dunn, Very Ape has shot and produced feature-length documentaries about Juggalos, aka fans of the Insane Clown Posse, and more on that later, Cam Girls, bikers, street people, and other marginalized communities, all in a compassionate cinema verite style that brings you, in the case of Wooks, right out on the lot and up close and personal with a wide variety of fun-loving Wookiees. I talked with Cass and Sean about their unique approach to making films and the central role that Wooks have played in shaping and spreading cannabis culture throughout the live music scene. My personal favorite Wookiee sighting was the time I was at a large music venue and next to a stand selling hot dogs, there was a self-serve topping station with stuff like lettuce, raw onions, hot peppers, and relish. That's where I spotted a glorious Wook basically posted up with a fork in hand, dancing in place while using the topping bar as a place to graze. Was it sanitary? No. Was it technically stealing? Maybe. Did I think to myself, Damn, that guy looks happy as fuck. I sure did. You'll find some much higher level Wook wisdom about weed and about life in my interview with Sean and Cass, and you'll unearth a lot more nuggets of gold if you go ahead and watch their film. But first, gotta stop and say a quick thank you to everyone who supports this podcast on Patreon. You are truly the reason that this podcast continues to go out Weedness Day after Weedness Day. And if you love what you hear on Great Moments in Weed History and you want to throw in on that shit, man, you can go to greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. You'll get all kinds of great bonuses like the video version of this podcast. So you'll see me waving at you. You'll see clips from the film, Wooks. And you will also get access to the secret sesh that I post every other Weedness Day 
where I'm talking with a member of our community. I got to say, it is a tough time out there for independent voices in the media. And there's a lot of bullshit corporate weed media voices out there. If you like real, true, authentic stories about this culture, about the history of this plant, I do need you to support it directly. So please go to greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. You can join for as little as a dollar a month, or you can put a little bit more in the magic hat as it passes around and get a signed copy of my book, How to Smoke Pot Properly. I will send it right to where you live. I will inscribe it to you personally, and you will really make my day, inspire me to keep telling these stories, and make sure that this podcast continues on and on into 2024 and beyond. Okay. Before we get into the episode, I do want to dedicate this one to all the wooks out there for keeping it real and repping authentic weed and hash culture in a time of corporate cannabis. We are the wooks of weed podcasting here, and we are now ready to find out exactly what it means to be a wook and to get some of the download from the lot through this film and these incredible filmmakers. But wait a minute. I am getting a smoke signal through the air from the far side of the lot telling me that you, yes, you, dear listener, the person hearing my voice right now, you and only you might not be ready. You might not be as lit as you not only want, but need to be to receive this downloaded Wookiee wisdom. And I'm here to tell you, that's no problem. All you have to do, as always, is hit pause. And you can use that time at your leisure to roll yourself a joint or to split a blunt or to pack a bong or to endabulate a dab or to eat as much edibles as you think you can handle all the way through to the second set and encore, man. And what if there's a drum solo? Don't eat too much edibles or you're going to freak the fuck out, man. I think you'll be fine, but you know, your mileage may vary. No promises. The one thing I will promise you is that when you're ready and you're lit as you'd like to be and you hit unpause, we will all be ready to join you for another great moment in weed history. Cass and Sean, welcome to Great Moments in Weed History. Hey now, thanks for having us. Thank you so much for having us. I reached out to you both pretty much immediately upon watching Wooks. I have had a long appreciation of fascination with and maybe slight crossover in the Venn diagram at certain points between myself and the world of uh, Wookiedom and, and particularly how these 
gentle, noble creatures have uh, influenced cannabis culture. But what what made you say we are going to devote the time and resources required uh, to produce this beautiful film about Wooks? Like a lot of our other films, it's just a subculture that fascinated us. We were both late bloomers when it came to that whole scene. Like I, I was a punk rocker. Cass grew up listening, like you, you went to Dave Matthews band concerts. So like, there's a little bit of that kind of vibe there, but for the most part, we're like hard rockers. Then we took LSD and listened to the dead. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we took LSD and listened to the dead and we were like, oh, we're deadheads. Like, forget about it. And then uh, we became Wooks slowly, but surely <laughs> not in the traditional sense. It's just, uh, there's a part of our, that we honor that part of our hearts. Cass, you 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 self-identifying as a as a wook as well. I don't wanna I mean we did another film called American Juggalo and I left that being like, I'm a juggalette, you know? Like I definitely there is something that as much as we make these movies, these movies make us. How would you define what is and and maybe even what isn't a wook? There's a lot of uh misconceptions and there's a lot of people who won't even know what we're talking about. Yeah. And and there's a lot of history there and we could get into that or whatever. But I think, um, you know, partly why we made this film and why it was so alluring is because that 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 title like felt like something we should do. It was like, whoops, like, what are they? Let's go figure out what they are. And in our our films aren't usually about like information. We're not going to like here's an expert that's going to be in a suit in his little NYU office explaining what's going on in this movie. We just try to essentialize it by like pushing you into the deep end. So um, Wooks was, uh, you know, kind of a derogatory term, I think. And that made it interesting to us. Like, why is this a derogatory term? Like, what are these people like? Let's go. Let's go into the belly of the beast and see what they're all about. I I think what a Wook is, is someone that's devoted their life. They're nonconformist. They're apolitical and they've devoted their life to the moment. And um, a lot of times that involves following around a band from either the jam band scene or the EDM scene. That's probably as about simple as I could put it. The people you profile, do you think they would self-identify as Wooks or do Wooks uh, not not appreciate the W word? (laughs) (laughs) I think generally most Wooks probably don't self-identify as Wook because uh, everyone has like a preconceived notion of what that person is. And that person is someone who potentially takes advantage of other people or something like that. Like there's these stereotypes that no one would want to self-identify or attribute to themselves. That said, I think what we do with our films is we, like Sean was saying, essentialize different subcultures and allow for an expansion of a definition of, of what this is. So I think I hope that this film destigmatized and also like expanded the definition where people would feel comfortable self-identifying with something that I think is like a really beautiful way of living. There seems to be an age cutoff too. It feels like if you're 30 and under, you'll be like, oh yeah, I'm a work, I'm a Spunion, you know, you got me. Like there was a lot of that, like very self-aware. And then it's like, if you're 30 and over, uh, you have a different association with that word. And yeah, there, there was a couple of people from the movie that we like we saw in person afterwards that were like, "Oh, come on, you did me dirty. What, why'd you call it Wooks? And I'm like, "Come on, man." And then they're like, "Well, yeah, um, you're right. I, I do follow around the Grateful Dead and sell crystals." So they're like, "You're still gonna buy that grilled cheese, right?" Though, yeah, <laughs> I made it. I already yeah. made it, brah. <laughs> and I think there's like something to what we do and doing something that's like a little bit catchy in its title that like 
brought more eyes to it. So it brought more eyes to the subculture. And not only are we just highlighting wookdom, but like the universe that surrounds it. And, and there's a big distinction on the lot between a wook and what's called a custy, which that's short for a customer, especially like in the Grateful Dead scene. It, there's just like the whole spectrum of society shows up there and the wooks are going hard and you can spot them. The custies are like bros, you know, like frat bros. For some reason, this scene attracts some of that, too. And those are the custies and the wooks are uh, are the more hopeless romantic, the, the you know. <laughs> tragically devoted to this lifestyle that brings me to this intersection you know why i uh thought this would be such a great topic for the show is i think that wooks play a really vital role even going back historically in the culture around weed it's not that weed makes the wook or wook makes the weed but how do you see those worlds intersecting Weed is the gateway drug. And uh, when we say that, I don't think we say it in the traditional sense, but I think when you discover weed and you first smoke it, you know, one of the first thoughts we both independently had when we discovered weed was like, this is the thing they've been warning me about. And it really starts to make you question things. And if you're anything like me or these Wooks or Cass, you have that kind of nonconformist bug in you. And you're like, how can I explore this space more? I think it's it's just, it's part of the scene. It's usually uh, like an essential vitamin in their diet. You know, it is mine and I'm not even full look. So I think it's, I think it's one of the greatest allies to nonconformists. Yes. Uh, to people who want to think differently, people who do think differently. And I think that's all wooks are. I think they're people that are too sensitive for the regular world. They can't put on the monkey suit and a smile and go off and work for some corporation, you know, they would rather risk it all. And I respect the shit out of that. Weed helps you do that. Absolutely. And I, I think you hit the, the nail on the head with nonconformity, uh, which can take so many different forms. <laughs> like, you know, we sort of have almost the conformity of nonconformity in certain ways where people are defined, I'm a nonconformist, when really it should just be that you're doing whatever you want to do without feeling the need to adhere to societal rules that you don't agree with. When we talk about the history of the Wooks, we can certainly go back and say, well, at those early hippie festivals, uh, you know, starting in the 60s and, and extending. But I think you can go much further back and say before that there were the beatniks and they might not have dressed like Wooks. But they approached life in a nonconformist way. I think you can go back to the hobos after the Great Depression who lived a wandering life, who definitely lived in the moment, who did not conform. And when you dig into the history, they were weed smokers. I mean, they definitely <laughs> seem to like to drink based on every hobo song I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, but weed was there. You can go back and there were people in the jazz age who were known as vipers for mm -hmm. their love of weed and for their nonconformity, but they wore zoot suits. But they still um, had, I think, that same spirit. And then, of course, you can look to some spiritual traditions. I don't want to be irreverent to, to people's beliefs in any way. I'm just saying I personally, as one person, see a lot of connections between what I know of the uh, wandering sadhus in, in India who are often known to have their chillum and um, be big part of the hashish culture there who are often to be found 
uh, wandering among religious seekers and living, I'll say, that sort of wook life. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think it's great to see history and everything and, and have an expansive view of what a wook is. But I do uh, have to ask, you know, where does the name wook come from? What's the uh, what's the etymology? I think it comes from Star Wars and I think it comes from, I think that the, the furthest that most people could trace back uh, someone being called that from the hippie scene is like probably 1987 when Grateful Dead really just exploded and started playing stadiums and massive sold out crowds, people that couldn't even get into the show. The term seems to have originated back around then. And uh, yeah, it's referring to Wookiees from Star Wars. And it's basically just a shortened version of that. What I love about this film and your style of filmmaking is that you are in essence presenting people in their own words, in their own environment, not making judgments about them, not attempting to uh, put a lot of context on it. So we are, uh, as viewers, having something of a, of a firsthand experience, but also we're left to draw some of our own conclusions. Would I follow this person back to their tent? Yes. Yeah. Probably 90-10. Probably uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm a yeah, pretty exactly. adventurous person, uh, <laughs> but I have a low threshold for bullshit. So probably about 90-10. Yeah. That's why we don't editorialize in our movies. We, we talk to the people because I think films should be a sensory experience. You shouldn't come to this like, oh, I'm going to get a bump, bunch of information. You could go on Wikipedia and get that information in two seconds. Like, <laughs> I on, want I'm to... looking to see if there's a Wookiee. <laughs> I wonder. Uh, uh, you could go on Wikipedia, which is just a, 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 yeah. a guy you meet on Shakedown who uh, <laughs> who knows a lot of stuff. Uh, Cass, how 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 what, what what percentage of these people would you let crash on your couch? <laughs> um, of the people that we met, I can't think of anyone I wouldn't let crash on my couch, and I don't know if that's just because we seem to attract and want to film the people that seem to have the most heart, you know, I think that's kind of just like, we're very lucky and have been very blessed in how we make movies and the kind of people that we were looking for someone who were not like uh, trying to pull the wool over their eyes or try to manipulate. Like we want people who want to share their story, who want to have, who have a perspective to share and people who are open-hearted and we have something to learn from. There's sort of this idea of Wook wisdom and, and and that you know it it can be a bit like panning for gold you know <laughs> the right book on the right on the right rant at the right time can can give you the download what what's some book wisdom that you came away with that that's been lasting for you and that and that you have uh continued to reflect upon there was a guy that was selling tie-dyes and making tie-dyes mm-hmm. and he, uh, he he talked to us for like 20 minutes and I wish I could, I should just put the whole thing out as a podcast or something because his just approach to life was just so beautiful and he was saying, you know, here, the more you want it, the less it costs. We have a policy here at the shop, the more you want it, the less it costs. Okay, so if you're like desperate for it, like because that's a happiness system. Like, if the more you want it, the more it costs, that's a misery system. And so that's not how humans are really supposed to live, you know. You know, we're not supposed to be wages. Like, that's that's got to be some kind of uh, hell of toil for some people. I've been there, you know. 
I mean, when you got nothing better to do, maybe, but like, you gotta find what excites you, man. It was a quick, easy thing to say, but that really has stuck with me because I'm like, what does that mean? And you can think of it as applies to everything. And if you thought, if you, if we just all flipped that switch, how much better things would work. I think it says a lot about what that community is all about and what they're trying to do for each other. You know, I always think of Mona Lisa, who she's like talking direct to camera towards the, I guess, more towards the end. And hello, you ready to smoke? I brought some herbs to say thank you. And remember, if you use truth as your shield, nothing will ever harm you. A friend of mine told me that. And you are the sum total of all the love in your life. But the most important thing is that you're in control of your reality. You're always alone, even when you're with others. And if we all collectively had the same consciousness of peace on earth, heaven on earth, it'd be a win-win. And heaven is closer to earth than it's ever been. Peace is from within. Beauty is from within. And information knowledge with application is wisdom. If you don't apply your wisdom, it's like not having it at all. So I believe in all of you. Lots of love. She was just like dropping wisdom bombs and seems like kind of a, a channel to something from beyond. So I just really appreciated her energy and her, um, maybe more than even the words she said, like the heart she says stuff with um, really has stuck with me. Yeah. There was one guy that says, we don't know shit about fuck. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, we don't, you know, so, and, and I like leaving stuff like that in there. So people don't get too self-serious when they're watching this. It's just like, we're just, we're talking to strangers. We're having a good time. And I just, yeah, I, I just love their way of expressing themselves and their vulnerability. And you? you can tell they don't judge others or themselves with how forthcoming they are. And I, I think that's like such an admirable quality. I think people can make fun of them for that, but it, to me, it's an admirable quality. When you wear your heart on your sleeve like that, I think more magical things happen in life. I've never been able to understand string theory before. Uh, <laughs> you know, like a lot of these people heard like Grateful Dead on the radio when they were a kid, right? And it got in their brains, right? And somehow, some way, the frequencies resonated all the way out to space because have you heard of string theory? Right, so like string theory is like, you know, molecular levels of string coming down. It's like kind of like there's a puppet master up there playing things or whatever. So quantum entanglement is like there's like a vibration that goes through those, spring, those strings all the way up in the universe, right? All the way back to creator. And the Grateful Dead just happened to play music. And these, all these guys heard it at one point in their lives, you know what I'm saying? And now we're all entangled forever in the quantum time continuum together. You know what I'm saying? So that's what that is. I just needed it explained to me in terms I could understand. And then, of course, I did go being a uh, journalist and a researcher. I Googled some of the things that uh, that young man had to say. And it all it all checks out. <laughs> <laughs> and on, all while, while sipping a, an ice cold nitrous balloon. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so I think there's also sort of a shamanistic role that looks uh can play in the scene in terms of like you know many of these drugs and substances and plant medicines and all three and that that, that we've been talking about they're they're not just illicit often but there's no um societal rules around them or at least not ones that you're going to find in a in, in, in through normal channels mm. and and as you approach this subculture and as you approach these ways of life where these substances are more or less integrated who is the keeper of that knowledge who 
stands at the threshold of that realm. And I would argue that it's Wooks. And just as in the mythical realm of mythology, sometimes you're going to meet trickster characters. You know, yes. not, you know don't trust every, not every uh, person who looks like a Wook has the heart of a, uh, of a Wook. And <laughs> your, your mileage will vary, but that collected wisdom around drugs. I just think of a phrase that I've heard from so many different people in so many different contexts, uh, which is knives are sharp and cars are real. Like that is passed along Western modern psychedelic wisdom. That is not a saying that came out of the shamans of South America 200 years ago in translation. It's related pretty much to the parking lot scene. It's like, there's dangerous things out here. You're having a great fucking time, but you're in a parking lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the consequences of your action will extend. You want to live in the moment, but there are consequences to your actions that might extend in the moment. And on the flip side, and 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 what interests me specifically is, if you look at wine, there's a whole world around connoisseurship, wine magazines, uh, grape growers, vintners, uh, critics, all of that, simply to talk about what's uh, the best bottle of wine. Mm. Um, and you would have the same for coffee. You, of course, have the same for for beer, uh, all, any sort of legal drug. But when we move to cannabis until recently, and with the exception of uh, high times where I used to work back when it was cool, there wasn't that. And, and so much of the information around it was suppressed or wrong. And the Wook network, this sort of peer-to-peer Wook network, particularly around these traveling um bands that you know that was how weed would travel that was how seeds would travel that was how information would travel we have an episode of this podcast about the strain um chem dog which was directly out of a um a parking lot grateful dead weed deal and now we have this era of cannabis concentrates and it is uh of course um, concentrating cannabis goes back a thousand years in India, Morocco, places like that. I'm talking uh, more about our modern dabbable concentrates, often uh, solvent concentrates, and then now rosin, et cetera, et cetera. So much that I cannot keep up on it. And if I can't, I, I don't think most people can because it's not their job. But who has been uh, keeping a track of it is, I would say, a subset of Wookiedom that I would call weed wooks or hash wooks, where mm-hmm. they are nerds of that. And where yes. uh, many of the people are kind of generalists, you might get some life advice, you might get sold a burrito, you you know, you might hear about why the 73 tour was the best tour. <laughs> um, but these are specialists and and they are arbiters of taste. Uh, as 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 wild as that may sound, I, um, and I'm wondering, did did you meet any specifically? Uh, did you meet any people in this process of making the film that you would consider in that class of work? 
Oh yeah, definitely. Like one of the, one of the inspirations for this film is our friend Connor, who goes by the Wook Wrangler. He's a musician and uh, he was our dealer for years and um, is a grower out in California and just, just really takes care of business and knows his shit. And I'll only smoke his hash. So uh, yeah, and he's, he's taught me almost everything I know about not only weed, but also hash, how to smoke it. He keeps up with the technology. When I first met him years ago, he's the first person I ever saw that had an email. And then, you know, he's, he's kept up with it all. And that's the only reason I feel informed is because I have a guy like him. He's in the film. Uh, he's uh, showing us like a bunch of little balls and crystals and waving a watch in front of the camera. And he's saying that he used to be a wook and now he's a business class hippie. And then that's how he did it. That's how he did it through cannabis, through the cannabis industry. And it sucks. You know, guys like still, him still have to like operate on the fringes, but, uh, you know, if, if, as this becomes more mainstream, they'll become very valuable. They'll become like the new wine sommeliers. And Cass, what was the, what was the best cannabis in, in any form you, you've, you felt like you encountered out on the lot? Well, we always come well supplied. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably where the, where I probably, uh, I'm not quite the woke because I I'm not uh I'm not seeking I'm uh comfortably stocked if you know what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We usually hook people up. I'll roll a million joints and like that'll be our form of payment, you know, because like we don't really have money to make these things, so we're just out there making them ourselves. So especially this movie, but I'll do it for all my movies. I'll just have a bunch of joints and I'll be like, hey, you want one? And man, it makes people's day. So that's a lot of what we were doing out there. We want people to see each other in the most fringiest communities that we can find. Because if you could do that, it almost has like an effect like the mushrooms have. It has like a mycelial effect and we we feel more connected. And I think a lot of our modern struggles have to do with the despair of not feeling connected and not feeling connected to spirit anymore or each other. These, these wooks are taking it upon themselves to not do the thing that is killing us in mass and poisoning us and making us depressed. They're saying, I want to live. I get one life. I want to live. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's important also to note weed doesn't grow itself and it doesn't <laughs> sell itself. So, yeah. you know, whether it's uh, uh, flipping those grilled cheese or, or slanging those eighths, most books are out there. You know, I think they invented the side hustle in our, in our, our contemporary oh, yeah. sense of it. They certainly had the, the gig economy of the lot. So I actually left with a trash bag full of clothes on widespread motherfucking panic tour in 2003 at 16. Yep, yep. And then I was just uh, flipping grilled cheese, selling beers as a youngin, and then I moved to Crystals in 2009. I was at Gathering of the Vibes, I was in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and there was a kid with a little case. He had a bunch of these little guys, about that big, shiny, sparkly little treasures. said, 10 bucks each. I'm like, 10 bucks? A little crystal? He's like, yeah, dude, people love them. I saw him the next day, his case was half empty. He said, I mined all these in one day for 10 bucks. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I made $500 since yesterday, kid. Go for it. Go get you some. Yeah. <laughs> Went up to the Ace of Diamonds, off to the Vulcan Racers. Yeah. <laughs> 19 states now. I pulled crystals out of 19 states all over the country that I'd be proud to put on my table. Raise the consciousness one crystal at a time. I, I have a sort of a long-standing fascination with the Insane Clown Posse as well. <laughs> Us too. 
Uh, yeah, apparently. <laughs> uh, I will mind dates back to in the late 90s. I had the good fortune to interview them. It wasn't for a weed publication, but I, I uh, am sort of never without some weed, as as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. It uh, is, and, and it is about how you can connect with all of these different people and cut through seemingly insurmountable differences really, really quickly through the communality of of weed. Just like smoking a joint with those guys and kind of getting their vibe and kind of digging just a little through their stage persona and what they maybe wanted to portray to the media and seeing the humanity of them got me looking at like, well, what what is this? (laughs) like just forget the you know shock of it all like what the fuck is going on and i remember when your 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 film came out because it felt like what i had witnessed that night at the show so i interviewed them and then i went to a concert this is people who feel looked down on by everybody else but have one place to go where they're celebrated for who they are like i get it i did not drink the fago um, did y'all what 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 sense did you get that weed is uh a part of life for for juggalos and and how how do you think it functions in juggalo society i don't really know the dates and history exactly of juggalosm but i know it was it predates um massive legalization in this country so it's that culture of i don't give a fuck and i think that's with everyone that we're talking about tonight um has been like you're bucking the system by outlaws you're you're being an outlaw like it's it's kind of laughable now because of how prevalent weed is and how legal and commodified and commercialized weed has become but for a long time especially most of you know the juggalo uh heyday has been and still where juggalos mainly live um like more in the middle of the country uh you're a, i don't give a fuck you know kind mm. of person by choosing to smoke weed and and not care yeah i mean and, and it's part of why we went towards it because like that was one of the scary parts of it when i was a kid and i found out about icp it was like this scary thing and they oh my god drugs and they smoke weed and i was against all that stuff and you get closer to it that's why that's why we went and made it because it just felt like a scary thing to do then you get to the gathering and you're like this is probably one of the least scary places that you could be it's like for lack of a better word they're, they're like they're they're dorks that like this music you know what i mean it's like it's like dorky and fun it's just like it's very like almost uh theater kid energy and like there's a certain kind of sense of humor there's a laugh that they share with wooks like they have a lot in common with wooks and i would say the same about juggalos as wooks is like weed is part of their diet every one of them smokes weed we have some some straight edge wooks or a straight edge juggalos in the movie or whatever, but that's not the case. Most of the time, most of them are puffing a blunt 24 seven. And, uh, I think that's fun. I don't know. That's what I do. It keeps me in a certain head space. You should do the laugh. What do you think the laugh is? It's like a, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, that's a bit of a stoner laugh. I, I've been, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I've been hit with that one my, myself. And I, I, I would say it comes from like a almost, a slightly ironic distance that I think other yes. people don't get about wooks and juggalos. You, yes. you use the term self-aware. It's like, I know I put on clown makeup. Yeah. <laughs> like, the world wants to put clown makeup on me, 
and I'm just going to do it for myself. Or like, exactly. I know I look to you like a guy who's got drugs in his backpack, and I do, in fact, have drugs in my backpack. Yes. But I'm also, wink, wink, going to dress exactly like a dude who has drugs in his backpack. And <laughs> there's something to be uh, said for that. I'd say the one other thing, uh, you know, historical antecedent we didn't hit on that I think of now, of course, is running away to join the circus. Um, and of course, the dark carnival of the insane clown posse yeah. brings it full circle. And, you know, we're 50 plus years into the phenomenon of the Grateful Dead as one, uh, you know, albeit central pillar of, of Wook life. And mm. it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And, and It's getting and I more think- popular. Yeah, it's uh, and 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 I think for us in the world of weed, and to kind of bring it all, to bring it all home from my perspective, we need that kind of arbiter of taste and culture for our weed world. We need it to be lots of different kinds of people. It shouldn't just be wooks. but it certainly shouldn't be these big corporate cannabis companies dictating to us what weed is going to be. We will be much, much better served with weed wooks and hash wooks. I almost think of like the literati around uh, books or film nerds around. We want people, just as the gentleman said, the more you want it, the less it costs. I think the more you care about something, the more input you should have on it. I think we can all agree that wooks really care about weed. You'd never see a wook in a dispensary. You, the, the last place you'll find a wook <laughs> is a dispensary. Like they don't go there. They can't afford it. They have no business there. They probably wouldn't even be allowed in most of them. And that says a lot about where corporate weed is going versus where the real people are going in the real culture. And like, we won't buy corporate weed. We're against it. It's because it's not about any of these companies. It's not about any technology or whatever. It's like we have this plant. It's evolved with us throughout humanity. It's been an, a plant ally of ours. Let's use it. Let's listen to it. It's it, it's it's made my life better. I I just I discovered weed at thirty. I'm only forty two now. I've smoked it every day since. It's like why was I not doing this? I mean, you smoked weed at like twenty. You didn't smell like you didn't know weed existed. I knew it existed, but I really <laughs> no, but <not> like <laughs> I smoked it a couple times, and I was like, this isn't for me. This like makes me feel bad. I feel paranoid and illegal and all this stuff. And then when I was thirty. And I had my shit together. I I really used it to to send my creativity to another level and connect with my friends and family more and think about things deeper and appreciate music and art on a whole new level. And I like living my life that way. We talk a lot on the show about great moments in weed history that really rise to that level of being history. But we also say great moments in weed history happen every day. They're often just more personal experiences so i'm wondering in your adventures together making films is there a specific weed moment that 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 sticks out that would you you know you'd like to leave everybody uh with it's so funny because i think of weed as just so interconnected to our relationship you know when we got together 13 years ago we met 14 years ago we were both drinkers you Mm. know and so yeah so weed was kind of the third partner in our relationship you know it was kind of what allowed us to bond and get closer in a genuine way. Um, And then like one of the first movies we made together, Oxiana, which is all about addicts in West Virginia who are addicted to opioids. Uh, That was very, you know, Sean's had family members of dad who was 
severely addicted to opioids, among other things. And so for him, he medicated with weed. And that was the first time that we really realized how much of an ally weed can be for us. But I mean, our whole love story is with weed, you know, our, our, our early days were uh, smoking weed in bed and watching food and ordering great food. And, you know, I just, yeah. it's, uh, I think we both really embraced weed once we got together. If you watch Florida Man closely, you could see a lot of the subjects holding uh, my vape pen at the time because I wanted to be discreet because we were in Florida. You could see a lot of them would be like, oh, can I hit that? And, uh, you know, Cass always curses me because sometimes Oxiana, there's so much that hit the cutting room floor because we'd get high with the subjects and they're only used to like they would see weed and be like, whoa, where did you get this? And I'm like, it's weed. And they're like, wow, we really only just get pills around here. And everyone's so used to pills. We'd get them high and they would be blasted and we'd try to interview them. And there's there's some interviews that just like we couldn't even use because the person was just like so stoned. We could interview them when they were fucked up on opioids because they're used to that, but they were they would get so stoned. Um, so it's blown up in our face sometimes, but a lot <laughs> of times it's like it's loosened up our subjects. And I think that, you know, the the part of our thing is like you were saying, we, we open these people up so quickly. That's part of it. I, we arrive in a cloud of smoke. We are not hiding it in any way. People see me getting high. They see me doing my dabs. The subjects see that I don't even really talk about it or acknowledge it, but I think it, they, it gives them a sense of like, Oh, they're not ball busters. They're not too serious. They're trying to have fun. Okay. I see. And they get in that spirit with us and we're able to get what we need very quickly. And I think weed has been just such, I don't know how we'd make these films without it, to tell you the truth, because it's been such a blessing in so many ways, including that, it, like the contact high that the that the subject gets, even when they're not doing it with us, loosens them up. And we're, we're just getting angles on humanity that I don't think a lot of times get celebrated in documentaries. Absolutely. I've heard that it's technically possible to edit video without smoking weed, but I've never attempted it. <laughs> Although I, I started smoking weed a lot younger than you. Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it was well yeah. established by that point. But <laughs> a- anybody who is listening to this and edits video knows exactly what I'm talking about. Because in <laughs> essence, you cannot watch the same shit over 700 times and, and have a fresh insight into it if mm. you are me. Uh, mm. without smoking some weed. Um, <laughs> I, I just want to say this has been such a pleasant, uh, enlightening okay. uh, conversation. I was just uh, thrilled watching Wooks. Part of my heart will always be out on the lot, uh, but I haven't you know, been really a part of that music scene like I used to, and it really brought me back in a beautiful way to getting those downloads to being a young person you know so you know a little bit my my first experiences with weed and uh other psychedelic substances were a lot younger and so you you Mm. need a lot more of a of a download or certainly a different one i'm glad that my initiation to some of that was in that environment um uh, you know uh, many environments will will work for you but for me that was a good way to contextualize that and in in your film hearing just direct from the wooks there's things i took away and there's just a vibe i took away of a person that i would like to be more than i than i have been it was inspiring to 
um, dig back into some of that stuff. You know, one of the other kind of put downs of the Wook wisdom download is like, oh, it makes sense in the moment when you're on drugs, man. But it's if you try to think about it the next day, it's all just nonsense. But no, you're just scared of it the next day. Yes. Because yep. it's some real ass shit. And no one else is going to tell it to you to your face within three minutes of meeting you. And no one else can back it up with their deed. Mm. Uh, not, of course, no one else. But you know what I'm saying. Um, so big shout out to all the whoops out there. I assume oh, yeah. you are <laughs> listening to this podcast in somebody else's car that's giving you a ride to the uh, uh, shows up in Worcester, Mass or some shit. Uh, <laughs> keep on keeping on. Much love to everybody out there in the Wook world. And please subscribe to this podcast so that you won't miss any great moments in weed history. We'll see you next Weedness Day. Well, that's the show, folks. Thanks so much for listening. And if you stuck around this long, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You can put five on it at greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. And that would really help us as we research, write, edit, and publish a new episode every Weedness Day. Great Moments in Weed History is written, produced, and performed by me, David Beanstock, a.k.a. Bean. Special thanks to our sponsor, PAX. Go to PAX.com and use promo code GREATMOMENTS, all one word, for a big discount at checkout.